minutes a day, 365 days a year. This is the Pack a Day Podcast. Welcome back to another episode of the Pack a Day Podcast. You can get all your Pack a Day updates by following us on Twitter at Pack a Day Podcast. And remember, you can always subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Google Play, TuneIn, Stitcher, or Spotify. And of course, you can check us out over at CheeseheadTV.com. I'm Kyle Fellows, and I'm here with my co-host, Andrew Mertig. It's good to be back for another Friday edition of the podcast. How's it going, Andrew? It, it's going great. This is episode 1045, so the theme is, uh, who's Packer that wore 45? Quinn Johnson, right, mm. for like a season? Yeah. Who am I missing? Was, it, was that Danny Vitale's number? Pass. So okay. <laughs> <laughs> we're in June already, which means that uh, we can see the finish line. Uh, you know, we, we have practices that are happening this week. We have practices happening next week. We have training camp in front of us. You and I have our season preview series coming up in the very near future, and we'll actually have real live football news coming. Uh, so we don't have to focus all of our attention on this quarterback drama. But, Kyle, but there was a short update this week, and I know they talked about it on today's show, but like, I, I wanted to get your thoughts too. So you, you have the quote queued up from Coach Matt LaFleur. I have a portion of the quote, yes, and um, it was, you know, there's different quotes floating around the internet and different pieces that make it sound more optimistic, more pessimistic. So LaFleur said he has nothing to update on the Aaron Rodgers situation, and he doesn't really know exactly what to think heading into mandatory minicamp next week, but said, we hope that he'll be here. We'll see come Tuesday, is the quote. So, I mean, I don't know what to make of that. It doesn't sound like the Packers have anything concrete on this Rodgers situation or really what to anticipate as early as next week. Yeah, and it's so weird to me, you know, kind of coming out of this Rodgers ESPN interview, it seems like he's really upset with the GM, Mm -hmm. but loves the head coach, loves his teammates, has loved playing for the organization in the city of Green Bay, and so... I, I just can't imagine being so upset with one individual. And and maybe it's all of the leadership structure, right? Like maybe he throws Murphy in, in that as well because he's the one keeping Goody in his seat. But mm-hmm. I, I just can't imagine being so upset and disgruntled about that that you feel like you have to break up now. Yeah, and it's it's interesting because I've always speculated, and I say always because it feels like this whole offseason has been years, but I mean, I've, I've speculated that Mark Murphy could be more behind some of um, the distrust that Rodgers can see around the league and say, okay, the teams that have owners have a little bit of a checks and balance. They can't just, a team can't run off and do whatever they want because they have to pass um, their plans by an owner and like, okay, does the owner think that it's in the best team of best interest of the team to go out and draft the quarterback of the future. And Mark Murphy's kind of sort of in that role, but not really. There's no checks and balances for Brian Gutekunst in that kind of a way. Now I don't think that Brian or that Aaron Rodgers thinks that having an owner is necessarily a good idea. I think most Packers fans appreciate the fact that the fans kind of get to be the owners in a sense. Um, but I have wondered if he's missing that kind of checks and balances and thinks that in a different scenario, maybe there would have been someone who stepped in and said, hey, no, we've got our guy. We don't need to do this right now. That may be his perspective. But the reality is we don't know like who it is and, and who can flip the switch and make this all better. 
Yeah, and we'll, we'll certainly know a whole lot more behind the story next Tuesday when we see if uh, number 12 shows up. And, uh, you know, stay tuned to the Packaday Podcast to, to find out and, and receive all the updates about that. Okay, so today we are so excited, like we always are, to move on past this Rogers drama and get into some of the, oh, I don't know, more... Uh, intricate details of this roster that we that we love um and so otas are in full swing rumors are abounding we are excited to be talking about football again we're getting to see some of the new guys for the first time on the field it's all really fun and so that means overreactions and rushes to judgment are a plenty and from the reports out this week it sounds like jordan love has been making some good progress you see him throwing the ball into a net which obviously means he's the next um, all-pro quarterback in the NFL. Um, and then you'd think Eric Stokes was already an all-pro as well from what's being said about his time on the field. David Bakhtiari's moving really well. Looks like he's ahead of schedule. Things going well there. Uh, it sounds like Green Bay has an even bigger plan uh, for Robert Tunyon, we heard this week, uh, for this coming season. Uh, so big plans there. Speaking of big, A.J. Dillon's thighs still are. So we've got all the news from across the internet. It's bubbling up, and we're getting to see it here in OTAs. So it's overreaction season, and it's all about saying too much without really having enough information. And so it's a ton of fun. So Andrew and I are going to jump in here and have some fun as well. So today, we're going to give you our way too early predictions for this upcoming 2021 season. Uh, Luckily for us... We have no one who holds us accountable for the crazy things that we say on this podcast for the most part, except for each other. Uh, but Andrew and I don't bring up the past unless it benefits us. So you don't always get to count on that. But then there's you, the listener, and you can bring up the ridiculous things that we say and make fun of us. I don't know, in four months when Jay Sternberger is leading the team in every statistical category and those kinds of things. You can bring that up, throw it in our face and wonder why we didn't predict those kinds of things. But today we're going to have some fun with this. So here we go are way too early predictions for 2021. And Andrew, I'm going to give you this first question just right out of the gate. Outside of a quarterback, not talking quarterback, who leads the 2021 Green Bay Packers in touchdowns? Ooh. All right. So remember how I was totally off the pay Aaron Jones bandwagon. Completely (laughs) off of it, right? Remember, didn't want to pay him. But what did I say? If the Packers re-sign this guy, I'm going to be hoping he's the exception to the rule. And 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 I think he's he's going to be ready to perform. And so I think the, the answer to who leads the team in touchdowns has to be Aaron Jones, right? I mean, you, you wonder a little bit if A.J. Dillon is going to become a touchdown vulture. Um, but, but even with, you know, 12 as the quarterback, Aaron Jones is going to get his. And if 12 is not the quarterback, then they are going to be really heavily reliant on that backfield. Um, especially hearing about all of the short throws and check downs that Jordan Love was making, you know, we, we, we know what Blake Bortles is. So I, I would definitely put my most of my eggs in the Aaron Jones basket. All right, here you are coming around on the Aaron Jones train. Uh, biggest fan, sign him to the biggest deal in, in you know NFL history at the running back position. I've heard you say all these things, so I'm glad that we finally got you on record here. Uh, but no, I was really thinking about you this week, Andrew, because I've been doing some fantasy football uh, preparations, which I'm sure people tune in to hear us talk about. But I thought of you because there is not one. There's one. I, I stand corrected. There is one running back ranked in the top 25 amongst fantasy football running backs who is over the age of 26. 
So this goes back to our conversation of like these guys, they age out quickly and it's just hard to, you know, expect that production. And so obviously Aaron Jones is 26. We hope the Packers can get a few more years out of him and we'll enjoy that along the way. But uh, Derrick Henry is your lone, I believe, 27 year old running back who's who's getting it done. So um, but moving on, Aaron, Aaron Jones obviously makes a ton of sense through the air. On the ground, he's going to get it done. I'm going to say Devontae Adams gets this one, um, but I'm with you that Aaron Jones has to be near the top of the list here. Uh, it's interesting that A.J. Dillon is playing um, what, what's kind of complicating this for both of us because we don't know how the Packers will use their running backs at this point or really around the goal line this year. And so I think Dillon could vulture those those touchdowns a little bit. Um, I think the touchdowns will be pretty evenly distributed between Devontae, uh, Tunyon, and Aaron Jones. Uh, but I'm going to give the edge to Devontae here. This seems kind of like low-hanging fruit. Devontae caught 18 in 2020. So um, I will say that again, 18 touchdowns last year. That's just totally crazy. Um, but that's going to regress for sure. But I still think he's in the range of somewhere between 12 and 14, like he did back in 2020. So Devontae Adams, I think, leads the team in, in touchdowns this year. And uh, he'll have another great statistical year. Okay, so we're going to talk, switch gears here, go over to the tight end position. Okay, so this week we've gotten a little bit of buzz out of training camp that the Packers actually requested that Robert Tunyon be there for the voluntary portions because they want to feature him a little bit more in 2021. They've got some creative things that they'd like to start working with him on. So we're going to assume that Tunyon is your tight end one, but... Who was the tight end to when the dust settles at the end of 2021? Yeah, I feel like we both went with coward answers for the first question, right? Aaron Jones, Devontae Adams. I'm going to go with another coward answer for, for this one. <laughs> I My tight end, too, is Josiah Duara. And I, I thought he was really about to establish himself as an impact player before he got hurt last year. And there's just a lot of really creative ways this team can utilize him. You can call him an H-back, a tight end, whatever the heck you want. I just think he's going to come out and really open up a lot of people's eyes this year, assuming he can stay healthy. And if this is not an Aaron Rodgers-led team, having two really good running backs and some good tight ends are going to help whoever the quarterback is more than I could possibly even explain. And so I think DeGuara is going to be used in a lot of really creative ways. And I, I think, you know, production-wise, he's going to look like tight end two at the at the end of the day. Side note, in doing research on this, I, I'm sure this was announced at some point and it, it came across Twitter, but I didn't recognize it until today. Bronson Kafusi, who is the former third-round pick, he was a defensive lineman. Um, he played for the Jets. I, the Jets drafted him. He played, and I think he's bounced around the league to a couple of other teams. The Packers have him listed as a tight end. Did you know this? I knew that. I've known that twice, and I've forgotten multiple times. And every time I pull up the roster and I see him listed as a tight end, it's always, always really intriguing because I, I forget about it. But he was a uh, BYU, right? Came out of Correct. BYU. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So um, really intriguing, obviously, as a defensive player. But um, yeah, let's uh, throw that in the mix as something that can kind of scramble some things. It reminds me a little bit of uh, Patrick Ricard uh, from the Ravens. Uh, who has switched from a defensive lineman to a fullback. And, like, he's just, he's so much bigger than every other fullback in the league, but really effective. Kafusi's listed at 270, which is huge for a tight end. He's probably playing down a little bit from his defensive lineman days, but I just thought that was a really interesting uh, sort of just experiment to, to do a little position swap there and see if he can stick on the offensive side. 
It certainly feels like the Packers have um, an assortment of ideas of what they'd like to do with their tight ends and that they don't have the same idea for all of their tight ends. So it's interesting that they brought in another tight end, one, but then also that someone like Kafusi, you know, you kind of wonder what is that role that they have in mind for him because they're willing to give a guy a position switch. You know, that's that's an interesting project. So keep an eye on that one as we get into especially uh, training camp later in the summer. But you mentioned fullback and. And I do think that we've mentioned on the show before that the Packers don't really have one. And so I think, you know, whoever that ends up being, if it's someone in the tight end group, Josiah DeGuar could considerably contribute there at the fullback position in some creative ways. Uh, But I want to answer this question the same way and say Josiah DeGuar, but I'm not going to. I'm going to qualify my answer and give you a, a different answer. I think that the fans will perceive DeGuara as the higher impact player by the end of the season, but I think Mercedes Lewis will still be tight end two as far as value to this team and how the team would define that tight end two. Um, Tunyon led the team in snaps in 2020, playing 61% of the team snaps, but Lewis was second, playing 40% of those snaps, and I think we'll see that number come down a little bit, um, but I still think he's going to play 30 or 40, uh, 30 or uh, probably in that 30 to 35% range of the snaps. And so, well, I think DeGuara is used in really creative ways. Like we said, I think, think the consistent involvement is still going to be Mercedes. And we know that Rogers does need that former first round pick on the field to throw touchdowns to as well. That's important. So I'm going to say Mercedes Lewis is that guy, but um, next question, who's the right tackle for this coming season for the Packers? Hey everyone, I want to tell you about Blue Wire Hustle, a brand new program where you can host your very own podcast here at Blue Wire. Hustle was created to give everyone the opportunity to take your podcast to the next level. Or, if you want to host a podcast and just don't know where to start, Hustle is the perfect place for you. As part of the program, you'll receive personal cover art, Q&As with Blue Wire's top podcasters, access to our community Discord, and an e-learning course full of tips and tricks. And on top of that, we'll help you get your show pushed out to Apple, Spotify, Google, Stitcher, and all other listening platforms. And the best part is, you can get all of this for only $15 a month, the same rate as any other hosting site would charge you just for the initial setup. So whether you're starting from scratch, or have an existing show that you want to grow, Hustle is an open door to leveling up your sports experience. Acceptance into the program is limited, so get your application in today. To apply, go to bwhustle.com slash join. Check out the description box to find out more, but that's bwhustle.com slash join. Yeah, for me, that's Billy Turner, and I'm really confident he can play right tackle really well. And I, Kyle, can you imagine me saying that sentence 12 months ago? <laughs> no, Pro- no, probably not. And with the strength and depth the Packers possess on the interior, I think you put him there until he shows he can't play um, at right tackle. And how they start the year is anyone's guess. I, I do think Turner sticks at right tackle once Dave Bakhtiari is healthy. You know, we don't know. Obviously, he looked pretty spry in videos this week, but we don't know if he's going to be healthy and ready to go week one. If he's not, ball games off. Like, I I don't know. There's going to be a lot of shifting around. But I think, I think once that offensive line is settled, I think we'll see Turner slide into right tackle. 
So I, I tend to think that there's a really good chance that what you're saying happens. And I'm going to go off the, the beaten path here a little bit and say something that I don't really have any grounding to say. This idea it makes me nervous. I'm going to say it does. But I do think it could be Elton Jenkins. Um, I don't want to mess him up. He's so good playing at guard, and I don't really want to move him around. But this is why I think he's your right tackle for 2021 in the future. I think Green Bay probably knows that Turner is out after 2021. I just think financially that's probably the direction. And so I think they probably like their chances of being able to replace uh, Turner at guard, who they currently have. Uh, they have a really good group on the roster for guard, so they probably feel like they can dip into that group and find some solutions. Um, I think Andrew's right that Bakhtiari injury does complicate things, but I think we'll see Jenkins end up over on the right side by the season end. And I think it's something that Jenkins would be up for as well, especially considering that slightly above average right tackles make more money than guards in the NFL. So I think there could be some financial motivation there too for Jenkins. Uh, But at the end of the day, I think Green Bay would like to see if they can get their long-term plan at their bookends figured out out and hope that the interior situation resolves itself with healthy competition between guys like Myers, Patrick, Runyon, Turner, Royce Newman, and some others. So I'm going to say it's Elton Jenkins, but I think this could go a lot of different ways. But okay, switching to the defense. Who leads the team in interceptions in 2021? I thought about this one for a while, and I think this is the year Darnell Savage makes the move from ascending talent to a top safety in the league. I'm just always hesitant to assume Jair is going to have a bunch of interceptions because so many quarterbacks just never throw his way. Savage has the added advantage of being able to keep his eyes on the quarterback and the ball. And I think those plays he made that were just like a fraction off in those first two years in the league are going to start to turn into plays where the Packers offense gets the ball back. Well, dang it, Andrew. Um, that was going to be my pick here, too. And so this is going to be really boring. And I'm sitting here trying to think of like a pivot so I can say something interesting and give a different name. But I just don't think that there is one. I think Andrew's 100% right. I think that the league will test the other parts of this Packers defense over having to throw at Jair. Uh, they know he's good. And so why would you continue to try that if there's other unproven portions of the secondary and I think that if Savage ends up playing a little bit more in the star or the slot position for Coach Barry that will give him more opportunities to be close to the ball and so it's hard for me to pick anyone other Savage other than Savage to be that natural ascender who has more chances to make a play on the ball so boring same answer Darnell Savage here um, let's turn this over to sack production uh, who's going to lead the 2021 Packers in sacks Well, I'm going to swing for the fences here a little bit. I think it's going to be Rashawn Gary. I I said Savage for the last question, and year three is a great time to break out for Rashawn Gary as well. He he did a really nice job of creating pressures last year, and I think with the added element of interior pressure in Joe Barry's scheme, we're going to get to see Gary get home a few more times. I would fully anticipate Rashawn and Preston Smith's timeshares sort of flipped. Invert that from last year to this year. Get Gary on the field a little bit more. And, you know, he appeared to me to be just a hair off on so many of his pressures from actually getting the quarterback to the ground. And I think we'll see some of those um, as his pass rush moves continue to develop. And, and obviously there's just so much natural talent there that I think this is going to be a massive, massive year for Rashawn Gary. 
Yeah, I love Rashawn Gary to take a big step forward. But for me, I think I'm going to go Zadarius Smith here. I know that's a little bit of a, you know, almost a given kind of an answer. I think he's motivated, though. I think he's motivated to prove that he's worthy of an extension and making sure that he is in the Packers' long-term plans. There is an unreal amount of cap space that the Packers could get back if he wasn't in the long-term plan. So I think I think Smith's motivated. He st- said that he wants to be a Packer long-term. Uh, so I do think that we see, see a monster here from him this year. Um, I do think a breakout from Gary is going to be big for this team. Preston coming back in better shape is also going to mean that Smith, uh, Zedaria Smith rather, stays fresh and a fresh Z is a scary Z. So give me Zedarius Smith to lead this team in sacks this year. Um, okay, my next question. I'm going to keep these coming to you. The biggest surprise that we see from a roster standpoint um, in 2021. Yeah, I'm going to go with one that I I don't know. Calling them a surprise or like a breakout player uh, – maybe is pushing it a little bit, but I think it's going to be Chris Barnes. I, I think Joe Barry's scheme is going to be incredibly friendly for the off-ball linebackers, and we reviewed all the players the Rams had success with at linebacker, and I think Barnes would be considered as talented as any of them, if not more so. So I think he's going to have every single opportunity to succeed, and honestly, I could see him having that sort of Corey Littleton-like season that he had with the Rams in, I think that was 2018, um, where he then went off and and sign the big uh, free agent deal. Maybe it was 2019. Uh, sign the big free agent deal with the Raiders. Um, I think Barnes could have that kind of impact because he's good, he's instinctual, and Barry's scheme is going to put those linebackers in really good positions to succeed. I think Kamal Martin is on a lot of people's radar, but it did seem like I saw some people tweeting that Ty Summers was taking some reps that maybe you thought Kamal Martin would be getting. And so if there really is a big gap between Chris Barnes as maybe that linebacker one and what would be like Kamal Martin as someone who could threaten for those snaps. I mean, Chris Barnes could be on the field all the time. So I think that that's a great call that he could be that impact player. And I think everyone has raved about his football smarts and the ability to, to make an impact like he did in his rookie year as an undrafted free agent. So I think that's a great call. Looking forward to seeing Chris Barnes in year two for me. Kingsley Kiki is someone that I'm expecting a big jump from. And there's a couple factors in this. One is the Packers just did not invest a ton of capital um, in the defensive line. And we all thought that that was a place where they could. Um, so that's a big, and obvi- there's, a, there's a vacancy for production. And I think that he's a player who could bring that. Uh, the other piece is I think he's a really nice fit for this defense. We've talked about how the Packers are going to need some guys to play that four-eye position. And he's kind of built to be that um, guy who can get on the inside of a, of a offensive tackle and get after the quarterback uh, pretty naturally. So maybe even a better scheme fit for him this year than what he's been in in the past. So I'm looking for a big jump from Kingsley Kiki, which would obviously be very, very good for this defense. All right, so that's our positive spin on things. If we're going to talk about a disappointment or a, a player that may underperform to a fan's standard who are you going to identify who could be that player? All right. I'm going to get killed for this one, Kyle. <laughs> I, I hope people don't write these things down uh, and hold me accountable later. But I'm going to say Eric Stokes. And that's not because I don't think Stokes could be a really good player. But he has a lot of obstacles in front of him. One, he didn't seem... or. He, 
he didn't seem like a prospect who was ready to contribute right away uh, in his rookie year. That that's just he he didn't stick out to me on tape like a guy who was going to jump in and play a significant role in the NFL immediately. There's some technique issues that need to be worked out, and maybe throwing him opposite of Jair and just letting him play with his butt to the sideline and his eyes on the quarterback, maybe he'll just be fine in that role. I just think he's a year away from being a really big contributor. And the second obstacle is the Packers have Kevin King in front of him. And I know people think King is awful. He certainly was in the NFC Championship game, but he's an adequate number two corner in the NFL, whether people want to admit it or not. And he's going to take snaps away from Stokes until Stokes takes them away from Kevin King. And here's a little hot take action. Josh Jackson may actually not be done. The the zone-heavy scheme we anticipate with Barry may allow Jackson to play to his strengths. And I wouldn't be surprised to see him actually make the team and, and maybe even get a few defensive snaps this season. And I know, you know, Stokes apparently looked really flashy in, in practices this week, and, and that's great. The, those are great signs. Hopefully I'm dead wrong. I just think that Stokes is a player who is really talented but probably would benefit from uh, you know, a year of light action, maybe some special team snaps, and then taking over that starting cornerback role in 2022. And I would love to see Josh Jackson have a late arrival as a player for this team. I mean, it's it's just so weird that a team spends a second-round pick and really hasn't been more bullish on giving him chances. I remember some flashes in uh, that I guess 2018, you know, preseason where it kind of looked like maybe he would be that guy. And it just, a team usually spends that high capital, lets a player fail on the field a little bit more than Jackson has been given the opportunity. And some of that's been injuries, but man, it would be really, really cool to just see him kick all that to the, to the side and really have a breakout year this year. But for me, I'm going to say Josh Myers. And this isn't anything against Josh Myers, and we're not just trying to beat up on the Packers' early picks at all. I think we like this class a good mo- good amount. Um, but I think I think he's going to end up being a very good player for the Packers in the future. But people have been talking about Myers being this plug-and-play res- replacement for Corey Lindsley. That just isn't fair. He's a rookie. He's a rookie center, and that is a really big job. And I do think that he can start immediately if the Packers want him to do that. But that doesn't mean he's going to get you know into games and not have any struggles and the Packers will have to decide what the best plan of action is do you start Myers and let him learn on the job with some failure mixed in or do you let him sit and let someone like Lucas Patrick start until he's ready Uh, regardless it's it's not going to be fair to expect Myers to come in and play at a high high level um, where you don't see any significant fall off from Lindsley who was the best center in the league. You don't just get to draft a guy and be like, ah, oh, it's just going to be continuity there. So um, I fear that the fans will sour on Myers early in his career simply because they aren't patient with the process. And so for that reason, I'm going to say he disappoints. But I do think they have a great player in Myers. It just may take a little bit longer than fans are wanting uh, to see initially. All right, we're going to go to one of our favorite places and look forward to the 2022 NFL draft here a little bit. At the end of 2021, when we're starting to speculate about how the Packers may need to improve their roster, what is going to be their biggest need that everyone is talking about as we approach that draft? Yeah, I'm going to be real lazy with this one. It's wide receiver. Uh, because I don't think the Packers have anyone under contract for 2022, at least nobody that we would anticipate being in the top four or five 
Well, Amari Rogers. Okay, so I'm wrong. They do have one. Um, but outside of that, I mean, they, they don't have anybody under contract. And while I'm optimistic Devontae could get a deal done, I don't know how the Packers view him because of his mm-hmm. age. And, and it, it, you know, obviously he's elite right now, but do the Packers have enough money to resign him? And I, I don't... I don't think any of the other players are realistic possibilities to be brought back just because of the current salary cap situation. So you run into these scenarios where maybe MVS turns the corner and the Packers can't afford to keep him, but maybe he doesn't. And the Packers don't want him back. Right. Cause they're not, they're not, they're not going to be able to keep a, a guy at even like a very low veteran salary um, looking at the way that we anticipate 2022's cap situation to be. So it's going to be really interesting. Um, I'll, I'll say that we, we could have a wide receiver room, um, you know, to discuss at this point next offseason for, for the Packers. That is very unfamiliar. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. I think the Packers will ride the MVS train as long as it is essentially free. <laughs> but when the Packers have to start re-signing some of these guys like MVS, Lazard, uh, EQ, I think we'll see them pivot to younger, cheaper talent. And I'm going to start shouting Chris Alave's name right now because the Ohio State wide receiver will be the draft draft crush of all of Packers Twitter by next spring. So go ahead and get on board now. Chris Olave to the Packers in 2022 is going to be a lot of fun. Um, but as much as I agree with Andrew, I'm going to say that we're going to be heavily discussing the starting safety gig as a need next season. And I know that may seem a little bit outside the box, but I think we're going to see Darnell Savage in the slot a little bit more, which I think will be really fun. But that leaves a hole back there at safety. And Amos is great, but he needs another guy there. And I'm not sure that that's Will Redmond. I don't know about Vernon Scott. Um, I'd love to see it. Uh, maybe Christian Uphoff has a Chris Barnes-like year as an undrafted free agent and shows himself to be a player for the Packers. But I would guess that Amos, you know, not getting any younger and Darnell Savage becoming more of a Swiss Army knife could lead the Packers uh, to look at some safeties in next year's rookie class. And something that could be really, really interesting if, the, if things go sideways with Aaron Rodgers and the Las Vegas Raiders end up being a team that is in discussions for that trade. Trayvon Merrick was a player that they took in the first round this year. And we've heard, you know, how the Packers were going to swap corners with the Broncos and all these kinds of things. But Trayvon Merrick is a player we know that the Packers talked to in the pre-draft process. And that could be a player that you could add and it would solve this kind of long-term problem at safety potentially. So just a crazy idea, but I think we'll be talking about exactly what we said, wide receiver, and probably safety as we approach that 2022 NFL draft. Yeah, I think we're going to have a lot of really interesting conversations about roster construction for 2022, and I'm certain we're going to be having a lot of interesting conversations about the quarterback position in the next two months, but uh, that is all the time that we have for today. Uh, This has been the Packaday Podcast. You can find Kyle on Twitter at Packer underscore Pundit. Remember to keep him... uh, you know, make sure you let him know if any of his predictions are wrong. <laughs> and you can find me at Andrew Mertig. Just forget any of the predictions I made if they're wrong. Uh, remember to also follow at Packing Podcast. Please subscribe and rate the podcast if you like what we're doing. You can catch Kyle and myself every single Friday. And we'll be back next week with more off-season coverage. Thanks for listening. And as always, remember. <laughs>